0: Do you guys remember, this may be uh, dating some people in the room, but uh, growing up, there were some houses in our neighborhood that had like the orange and black, uh, those like candies that were wrapped in paper. You know what I'm talking about? They were disgusting. Anybody actually like those? Anybody? Don't be ashamed. It's okay. It's a safe place. I thought they were disgusting. I was like, really? You're that house? And there's always like the cool house that had like the king-size candy bar, right? And then there was like the lame house that had had, like toothbrushes, like the dentist, you know, like their information on it. So they were like Bible tracks, like, come on, man, just celebrate. Anyways, the obvious right answer, you guys may, you may have been told there's no right answer. There's a right answer to the last question, uh, and it's Heath Bars, actually. So Heath Bars or Score Bars, it's Distant Cousin, but that is the right answer, uh, regardless of what you pick. So, hey, we're, in, um, we're starting a new series today for three weeks uh, where we're going to talk about the power of neighboring, the power of neighboring. And so we actually did this series three years ago when we first launched the church. Because it's a, it's a core value of ours. We'll explain why in a second. Thanks, babe. Ooh, water next to electronics. We'll see how this goes. Um, but then, we, then it hit us that there's so many people that are the, the voice church of post-pandemic or tail end of pandemic, hopefully tail end of pandemic, uh, is first of all, there's a lot of new faces and a lot of us that were here three years ago, maybe in person or watching online. We live in different places now than we did when we heard this series a few years ago. So we're like, you know, what, I think we need to do this again to kind of re-up our values because vision, vision tends to leak, right? So we want to re-up kind of what vision is for this. And this is a huge part of who we are. But the, whole, the central idea for this is that there's power to the place you live. There's power to the place you live, that there's a reason why you live where you live. And God com- could potentially... It could potentially be your area of greatest contribution, your area of greatest impact uh, is where you live. There's this book called The Art of Neighboring. Anyone ever heard of this book, Art of Neighboring? It's not really super popular, but I read it years ago, and it absolutely impacted how I see my neighborhood, where I live. Uh, Back when we first read it, we lived in a condo, so that was a little different structure. But even when friends live in apartments, it changes how you view that as well. But the whole premise of the book started with a... A group of pastors in Colorado. And they started to dream and talk about how they could impact their community. They started asking questions like, how can we link arms as pastors and not be uh, so divided or territorial? Sometimes congregations and churches and pastors can be territorial. And so, how can we not be territorial? How can we link arms? How can we serve our community? And they came to this realization that they just didn't know their community very well. If they were honest, they didn't know their community very well and their whole outreach strategy was about if we build it, they will come. If we can build a cool enough place, if we have cool enough banners, cool enough flyers, if we can do enough mailers or today's would be a social media ad campaigns that it might compel someone to come to our thing. But there, they came to the realization, we, didn't, we don't really know our community. And even as pastors, we don't really know our neighborhoods. Like we, we, we know it enough to go, oh, that's where the Trader Joe's is. But we don't know who lives in that house. We don't know what their dreams are. We don't know what God has for them. We don't know where they're at in their faith. We don't know how we can serve them, how we can pray for them. So they started asking, how can we get to know our community better? So one of the ways they did it was these group of pastors formed this almost like cohort and would invite community leaders and, and just drill them with questions members of the city council, the, the, the chief of police, chief of fire, parks and rec department, like Chris Pratt, and then they'd invite him to come out. And then they hit, just kidding, not Chris Pratt. They would, they, one of the meetings they had was they invited the mayor. And they asked the mayor two questions. One, what is your dream for the city? What is your dream for the city? And two, if, we, if you could go and wave a magic wand and change anything about our city, what would it be? What's your dream for the city? And if you can wave a magic wand and change anything about our city, what would it be? Powerful question, because typically when you go into the mayor's office, they're expecting you to have an ask. And this, this wasn't an ask for anything from the mayor. It was, how can we serve you, and what are your dreams? The mayor suggested one thing, and it took them by surprise, came out of right field for them. The mayor said that the most powerful thing, the smartest thing, the wisest thing that these pastors could do to serve and impact their city was to encourage their congregations to neighbor better. Just be better neighbors. Why? Because relationships always outdo programs. Relationships always outdo programs. Now, are programs not important? No, of course they're important. Billions of dollars all across the nation feed programs that are important. Right? But relationships are far more powerful. And here, let me give you an example. In your life, what has made the most impact? Programs or relationships? It's not an either or. There are, I mean, when when Natalie and I through some really hard times, there were some programs from the government, from the system that helped us immensely. But do you know what's impacted our life the most? Friends, relationships, people, people that were there right? And my guess is the same thing for you, especially as it relates to your family, your children, your dreams, your marriage, right? Your faith, for those of you guys that follow Jesus, it, it wasn't some program. It was a person. It was people that invested in you. So relationships always outdo programs. And here's what the government leaders noted. Here's what, the, here's the reasons why, as the pastors pressed in and said, give me practical reasons why you the mayor was not someone of faith, why you would believe that the best thing we can do is not community service only, is not feeding the, you know, passing out food or social justice issues or, uh, you know, uh, not riots, but like, like, what, what, why can't I think of the, the word? Pra- not parades, protests, there you go. Not protests or march, marches, but what is the, the greatest comp- contribution would we'll be neighboring That just seems like a really weird answer. So when pressed, here's what the government leader said. Four reasons. Number one, people who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. People who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. It makes sense when you think about it. I never would have thought about it initially, but it makes a lot of sense. People who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. Number two, where people know the names of their neighbors, crime is down 60%. Just by knowing the names of your neighbors— and again, it's one of those things where you really start processing it. And it makes sense, right? Because if your neighbor needs help and you know their, their name and you have a relationship with them, you're more likely to help, right? If you know their name and you know their story, you have a deep relationship with them, you're less likely to steal their lawnmower. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're less likely to break into their house, Right? So where people know the names of their neighbors, crime is 60% lower. Third, when natural disasters strike, your neighbors are your first responders. Makes sense. And lastly, this is the part that hit home the most. They said that there was no visible difference between Christian and non-Christian neighbors. As they could see it across the city, now this is in the Denver area, but I think it's not too different here. There is no visible difference between Christian and non-Christian neighbors. I want that to sit home because what essentially the mayor was saying was the most powerful thing the pastors could do, the most powerful thing the Christians in the community could do to tip the scales of the city was to simply do the second half of the great commandment. Think about that. That the most powerful thing we can do as Christians is not go to church more, not give more, not serve the city. Are all of these important? Yes. The most powerful thing we can do is just simply do what Jesus said to do. Like maybe he knew what he was talking about. Sometimes I think that we as Christians believe that Jesus died on the cross, so we can go to church. That's not. Jesus didn't die on the cross, so we can go to church and serve sometimes and go to small groups and call it a day. That what Jesus asked us to do was love the Lord your God, and then love people. We'll talk more about that. Sometimes what we can do is we can ignore the stuff that Jesus asked us to do, so we can focus on deeper truths. I know there's gonna be some frustration as we go through this next three weeks. There's gonna be some people going, "Okay, I get it. I didn't know my neighbor's name. I get it. Can we talk about something else now?" Now, do you know your neighbor's name? No, I don't know my neighbor's name. But we already talked about that. Can we talk about something else? Because I, so, I want to go into a deeper truth. And we can get into a habit of going, I've heard it. So that must mean I do it, right? I've heard it, so let's talk about something else. And so what I want to challenge us to do is just to simply do what Jesus has asked us to do. So a question I want us to think about is, what if we decided to live as if what Jesus said was most important was most important? What if we decided to live? What if you decided? What if I decided to live as if what Jesus said was most important was actually most important? So with that, we're going to hop into the story that, Jesus, uh, uh, that involves Jesus and then talking about a parable. So it says, it says this in Luke 10, uh, verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. An expert in religious law, got the badge, like he knows what he's talking about, right? Goes to ask Jesus this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, what does the law of Moses say? In other words, you already know the answer to this. But what does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? That's important. How do you read it means how do you interpret this? So what does the law of Moses say that all of you memorized before you were 13? What does this law say? And then what do you think it means for us? How do you read it? So the man answered. I'm guessing with a little bit of pride. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Nailed it. Do this and you will live. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, it's not enough just to know it. Do it. Do this. You, you pass the quiz, but do it. And right away, the man's answer is, God, and I'm going to start applying this tomorrow, right? No. Next verse, right away, he says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So we ask Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Sometimes when we pray or we read the Bible or we ask any questions, I get this all the time, what does the Bible say about this topic or that topic? What what the person is actually asking is, can you draw a clear line in the sand about what I should watch on TV, about how, how far can I go with my girlfriend, about what should I do with my money, about how should I spend my time, whatever, so I can get as close to it as possible without going over the line. Can you clearly define it so I can justify my actions? And that's what this guy was doing. It's human nature to try to interpret God's word to better fit into what we're already doing with our life. Right? To make it go, oh no, what what the Bible is saying is I'm good. The decisions I'm making is good. So we'll shift and we'll mold and we'll carve stuff out of scripture to make it fit our life instead of shifting our life to make it fit scripture. So <laughs> what's happening here is the fact that, okay, there's this idea that people don't like change. So if I say, how many of you guys don't like change? Anybody, anybody say they don't like change? I, I agree and I disagree with you. Because I think people like change when it benefits them. Like I don't know any of us, if, if those of you guys that raise raised your hands saying, I don't like change, if I said the bo- your boss tomorrow wants to increase your salary by 100%. I think you'd be okay with that change, right? Uh, I- I'd rather give me your car, and I'm going to let you pick any car off of any lot in this city. That's change. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if any of you, you go, would go, I just don't like change. I don't like change, right? No, people don't. It's not that people don't like change. People don't like loss, right? People don't like loss. People love change until you have to change what you love. Right? People love change unless, until it hits to a point where you have to change what you love. And when Jesus is asking this expert religious law, and what Jesus is asking us to do, and what I hope you don't check out in the middle of this, because if you live by this, you're gonna have to change some of the ways that you conduct yourself as it relates to your neighbors. It has to change. And some of us love our privacy, and love us. some of us love to drive our cars into our garages and shut the door as if the moat is being filled and the drawbridge is being pulled up and we're isolated from our neighbors. And meanwhile, meanwhile, we feel the tension, don't we? We we feel the we see the person walk their dog for the hundredth time. You're going, I shouldn't know their name. But awkwardly, I'll I'll wave again. I'm going to bring my trash cans out at the same time as my neighbor. I'm going to make awkward eye contact again and We've been, been in the same area for years now, and I'm still just going to go, hey, hey, okay. But I wonder if God wanted to do something more with that. I see more cars getting parked at that house over there, and I'm going, what is going on? I wonder if they could use some prayer. Something is happening, right? I, you see so maybe some one of the houses near you or condos near you, the, the grass is overgrown. There's a story behind that. Something go, is going on there. Now, I wonder if God wants to use you to help impact part of that story. There's a tension there and you feel it. You feel it. And I I, I think it's it's the Holy Spirit saying, I want to use where you live. That there's power to where you live. So, people love change until you change what you love. So, Jesus says, love the Lord your God. Well, no, actually, the guy said, love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, nailed it. Now do it. And so the guy says, who's my neighbor then? Explain who my neighbor is. So in response to this justification, Jesus gives a story that I think many of us are familiar with, the story of the Good Samaritan. So it says, Jesus replied with a story, a Jewish man, Jewish man. What's his ethnicity? Jewish, in crowd. What's his gender? He's male, powerful. He's the center of the it crowd, the in crowd. And he, something bad happens to him. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him for half dead beside the road. Now this, this road, you can Google it, was, this, did, this was not uncommon. It didn't happen all the time. But it was not uncommon for there to be, uh, for you to get you know, robbed and stuff on this, on this track. It's, I'm sure there's streets and there's neighborhoods and there's alleys that, uh, <laughs> that you know of in the city or in Orange County. we are going, if I said, hey, this person got mugged on this street at 2 a.m., you'd be like, yeah, I know a guy that that happened to, too. So when Jesus is saying this, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, there's people going, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. This is a familiar, familiar story. So they stripped, stripped him of his clothes, beat him, left him half dead beside the road by chance a priest came along. In our vernacular, a pastor came along, a religious leader came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he helped because he's a pastor. No, he crossed to the other side of the road. He didn't even just walk by and go, you okay, bro? No, no, he literally goes, oh, shoot. Well, I'm I'm not going to get involved. Walk other side of the road. Then uh, a temple assistant, look at this, as like a, a key volunteer in the church, in our vernacular. Walked over, at least he walked up to the guy, looked at him lying there. Okay, so this guy is like bleeding, passed out, naked on the road. And the, the, the key volunteer, right, point to something. someone, no, I'm just kissing. the key volunteer walks up and goes, yeah, no, I'm good. And then walks to the other side of the road and leaves him. Then, a despised Samaritan came along. A despised Samaritan. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Jesus asked the question. Now, you guys, we've talked about this before. Samaritans weren't exactly um, the most loved. If the, if the Jewish man was the in crowd, uh, the Samaritan wasn't even near that circle. Right? He's so far out of that uh, circle. Uh, and so Jesus says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man? who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied. The expert in religious law, remember? Replied. The one who showed him mercy. So Jesus said, yeah. Nailed it. Expert. Good job. Now go and do the same. So again, he says, good. You know the answer. Good. Do it. Do it. Like you've Now said second time, you know it. So I'm going to say a second time, go do it. You know what to do, so do it. See, too many times, especially for us of us that spend any amount of time in church. Some of us have, have been in church, we like grew up teething on pews. Like we know this stuff. We say amen to the right things. We have Bible studies about things. We talk about this stuff. And then we have no intention of actually doing it. Of actually doing it. Some of us, can I be totally honest? Some of us, as you're listening to me talk about neighboring, we've already pre-decided that we're not going to do this. And you've given yourself a reason. Like, oh, I'm just too shy or I'm just not a people person or I'm more of an introvert or whatever the thing is. I'm not saying you got to develop like deep relationships and hold hands to your neighbors and sing Kumbaya skipping down the street. But some of us have already tried to, to use the Bible language, justify our actions. I know it. I'm not going to do it. I want to justify my actions. There's power to the place you live. See, in that culture, which is different than us, it was easy to let yourself off the hook of neighboring because everyone knew their neighbors. When, when you would get married, you would go back to your father's house, the, 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 the guy's house, right? You'd go back to the house, you'd add rooms to the house and you'd live together in that house. So for generations, you would live in the same neighborhood. You knew everybody, It wasn't like here where there's so many people that, I mean, if I said, how many of you guys live in your childhood home? Probably not many of us, right? There it was common. It was common. Why is that important? So when Jesus said, love your neighbor, they're going, got it. Check. I've known my neighbor for, I know my neighbor's grandparents. So check, we do it. And so Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's bigger than just your physical neighbor. Why is that important for us as Americans? It's because we tend to leapfrog over our actual neighbors and say that we're neighboring well because I gave a good tip at the restaurant the other day. I was nice to the checkout lady at Target. I made friends with someone at the gym, so I'm being a good neighbor. Yes, but you're leapfrogging over your actual physical neighbors. Again, remember, when there's anything like this, when it's not ethereal and it's practical, our first inclination for many of us is to justify our actions, to change scripture to fit into what we're actually doing, what we're already doing. So here's what I want us to do. I want to give you a mental exercise. If you want to put the, uh, the, the grid up there, the 3 by 3 grid. So if you were to take this uh, grid here, actually I have one. Mag- Ooh, this, okay? If you were to take this, this is, pre- pretend that the, the house with the cross in the middle, that's your house, that's your condo, that's your apartment, that's your uh, tent, wherever you live, okay, that, that is you, okay? The eight, yeah, the eight grids around it or boxes around it are the people that live around you. Now here's the thing, make this make sense for your context. If you're an apartment, it could be just you write down apartment numbers on your like row, or maybe it's the one above you is literally the person above you because you hear every time that they jump. So I'm gonna build a relationship with them, right? Or maybe the people underneath you, they're your people that every time you jump, so you build a relationship with them too, right? You learn Morse code and you communicate. So however you want to comport this, just make it work. What I don't want, again, is to justify our actions and go, this doesn't work. I live in an apartment, All right? So if you were to take these, uh, this grid, let me ask you a few questions in your context right now. One, how many names could you fill in right now? How many names could you fill in? Practical practical second question what do you know about them that is not obvious okay well that guy is into the chargers do you have a conversation with him no he always flies a chargers flag Okay. okay what could you tell about them that what do you know about them that's not obvious third question how many do you have a relationship with that god could speak through how many do you have, of these boxes that involve people that live in there uh, do you have a relationship with that God could speak through? Now, here's the thing. We don't, oh, can you put that back up there? I, didn't, I don't want to go through this to make you feel bad. That's not the goal. The goal is to say, maybe you've been asking God, I want you to use me to make a difference in this world. God, I want you, maybe we, you know, we, we pray at the end of every service, God, would you speak through me? Maybe this is how. Maybe this is how. Because again, I, I firmly believe that you feel the tension, right? You 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 see the people walking out of the apartment at the same time. You're like, I should build a relationship, but I'm too busy right now, or it's, it's just not the. That's the Holy Spirit. So, how does this exercise make you feel? Again, no guilt or condemnation. I just want us to think about what we're thinking about. How does this exercise make you feel? And secondly, how do your results? line up with what Jesus is asking us to do? How do your results line up with, Jesus, with what Jesus is asking us to do? Again, the three questions earlier were, how many names do you know? Two, what do you know about them that's not obvious? Three, how many of them do you have a relationship with that God could speak through? See, I think a lot of us have different thoughts on what the word love means. But I think we would all agree that it's really challenging, maybe impossible, to love someone if you don't know their name. Right? So, from time to time, I know it's shocking, but from time to time, I've been accused of not being serious enough as a pastor. Right? And for to that, I would say, sure, but there are... Here's my kind of way, my way I approach ministry. I try to take things really seriously that Jesus says to take seriously. The things that are just man-made tradition, rules that Jesus never really ever talked about, I don't take them too seriously. Another way what we say as a church is that we don't erase lines that the Bible has drawn, but we don't draw lines that the Bible hasn't. Right? Right? It's easy to hear, like what we talked about today. It's easy for us to hear these and think of them as sayings of Jesus to think about and not commands to center our lives around. When Jesus was asked, What is the most important thing over everything else? Love God, love your neighbor. Most important church wasn't on there, small group wasn't on there, volunteering wasn't on there, tithing wasn't on there all the stuff that we major over, all the stuff that we get in fights over, none of that stuff was on there, Well, was most important, love God love your neighbor and we can take messages like that and go hmm, thanks Taka, that's something to think about those aren't sayings to think about, those are commands to center your life around you see the difference? I don't know about you, but I don't want to get in the habit of ignoring God. So, we're gonna do everything we can to make important the things that Jesus said. The religious leaders of that day all had the reason why the expert religious law was was doing this is the religious leaders all had their like their their primary focus. For some of them it was cleanliness. And that's what they elevated to the top. And for some, for some it was social justice. For some it was keeping laws, for, for some it was how much time you pray or how well you take care of widows and orphans, those are all important things, but they would kind of make that their center focus of their group of disciples. And so when they asked Jesus, they wanted Jesus to pick their focus. And Jesus didn't. Is that saying that all these other focuses aren't important? No, they're just not the most important. They're just not the most important. Social justice, sexual ethic, loving, you know, those far from, all that stuff is super important. But the most important is love the Lord your God, love your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that makes you you, and to love your neighbor the same way. That's the primary. So here's your challenge this week. Here's your homework this week. Okay, here's what I hope bothers you this week. We have one of these for each of you, so I don't know if Nat, if the, if the team could, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We want to give each of you one of these, okay? Yep, you will pass them on. Thank you. Um, Put them on your fridge. Some of you guys want extra credit. There may be power to where you work, okay? But don't do that and then not do your house, okay? So you may want to set one up at work and learn cubicles around you. And if the people at work are like, why do you have my name on some sort of hit list in your cubicle? Okay, you just say, I just want to put your names down so I remember to pray for you. I've never heard someone get frustrated with that. You know, please don't pray for in my marriage. I just never heard of it. So, um, so put this on your fridge. Your homework this week is to start learning names and writing their names down on this sheet. Put it on your fridge. Don't let this become just another thing in your trunk, okay? Put it on your fridge. And The goal is that as we learn names, these aren't problems or issues to solve They become people to be loved. That we make a progression from waving to your neighbor and going, hey, hey man, right? Hey man, or hey bro, or whatever you say, to take it from, hey man, to hey Mike, to hey Mike, how's your day going? To hey Mike, there's... I need to move this thing in my garage. You mind helping me for a second? To, hey, Mike, I noticed that your son moved home from college. How's that going for you? Or, hey, Mike, I've noticed that your lawn is overgrown. Is there something I can help with? You start to get into stories, and maybe one day God would use it to, hey, Mike, if you ever wanted to, I'd love to pray for you. Hey, Mike, if if you ever want to find a church, you're always walking to come to my church. Is ever a time I could ever serve you? Is there ever anything you need? Especially during the pandemic when it was really getting hard at the very beginning where it out a lot of fear in the ether. Hey, hey, Mike, is there anything I can do for you? Can I serve you? Can I get groceries for you? Anything I can help with? And then maybe God could use that relationship to speak through. So everyone gets a block map. One of our dreams is that we would have a trailer with a bunch of party supplies. It is like a block party in a box, right? Speakers and a cooler and, uh, you know, crafts for kids and all that kind of stuff. And it's it'd be free for anyone in the church to check out if they want to have a block party for their neighborhood. Like it's just take it, hook it up to the trailer, or your truck, bring it to, to the place and just open it up and have a party. Clean it up, put it back and bring it back. So that you, you are known as like, man, whenever that trailer comes to my neighborhood, bring up a party. It's one of our dreams, help you neighbor well because if you can neighbor well, then maybe that neighbor will pull you aside and say, hey, actually here's what's really going on. Can you pray for me? There's power to the place you live. So last question, what could God do? What could God do if the people that just called Voice Church home did this? as we go back out to our neighborhoods we didn't look at that our, our, our neighborhoods and our houses as places that we live but as, as missionary posts where God has assigned us that maybe you have the neighbors you have for a reason that maybe your neighbors went to sleep last night wondering if there are any real Christians if there's any Christians that weren't hypocrites if there's any Christians that weren't self-centered that are, are there actually any Christians that are humble that are teachable that care for other people and then you show up hey Talking. How's it going? I'm here if you ever need anything especially as it relates to Halloween we'll talk about Halloween there's a reason why we're doing this series leading up to Halloween the one holiday a year when all your neighbors come to your house maybe there's a way we can use that holiday for the kingdom of God so with that uh, I want to pray for us and again my prayer this week I want to pray every single day is that this bothers you until you start learning names okay that, that that the fridge ends up, or the magnet, the fridge, the magnet ends up on your fridge or somewhere you'll see it prominently. Alright? And that it is something that is constantly on your mind that God would use you to reach your neighbors. Alright? God, we just thank you that you inconvenience yourself in the biggest way possible to build a relationship with us. God, I pray would you help us to embrace uh, nerves and discomfort and gosh, just insecurities, fears, to, to have the courage to walk across the street, to walk across the lawn, to build the relationship with our neighbors. Would you give us the right opportunity? Would you give us the guts to have those conversations? And God, I pray, would you use those relationships to speak to our neighbors, to breathe hope and joy and love and courage into them? God, we thank you. We give our lives to you. Use us, God, to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's sing this together.